What's up, fam? Today, you guys get me, Aaliyah. If you haven't heard our recent episode introducing the new co-host, then you might be a little confused. Sai, the founder of the Brown Girl White Coat podcast, brought on three new co-hosts, and you guys get stuck with me today as one of them. So you guys can find me on Instagram at medicalglam. I am a fourth-year medical student going into pediatrics with high intentions to pursue an emergency medicine fellowship after. I am super pumped to be here chatting with you guys today. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at browngirlwhitecoatpod and like us on Apple Podcast at browngirlwhitecoatpodcast. So today we have a super dope guest. She is so fun and chatting with her is going to be a blast. I can already tell. Her name is Yara Khalifa, aka Yara Khalifa. I am so excited for you guys to meet her. One of the biggest reasons I wanted to join the Brown Girl White Coat podcast is because the founder of this podcast, Sai, is really passionate about giving brown women a place to amplify their voices and their experiences. And there's many topics I want to talk about, social issues, mentorship, being an Arab Muslim female in medicine, etc. I mean, there's so much content I want to bring to you guys. But when I thought about the first episode, I thought about what is a topic that I really want to get out there as soon as possible. And that was about mental health, being an Arab Muslim woman in medicine, and the upcoming election, since that is a time-sensitive conversation. So when I think of a brave, strong, opinionated, outspoken, super fierce woman, I think of Yara Khalifa. She's a medical student. She actually goes to my medical school. And you guys are going to get to know all about her. I'm going to let her introduce herself when we have her join us today. So if you guys are interested in hearing everything we're going to bring you guys today, please keep listening. All right, guys, I am so excited for you to meet Yara. So I call her Yara. Of course, I have to do my Arabic accent on that. So I'm going to go ahead and have her introduce herself because I couldn't do her justice. So thank you, Yara, for being here. Hi, everyone. My name is Yara Khalifa. I am a kind of like, I would say, second year 2.5, you know, in medical (laughs) school currently. Um, I go to know Southeastern University, which is a DO school in South Florida. And, and I'm also pursuing a master's in public health where, you know, I'm kind of pursuing two concentrations in global health and health policy. So I try to make myself really familiar with those two topics specifically. I am a immigrant. My, I was born in Egypt. I was raised in the Middle East and also in mid in the Midwest here in Indiana and Ohio. And I'm the eldest and I have a younger brother and we kind of lived a very, very, you know, immigrant lifestyle and then came Mm -hmm. to American very much assimilated to a very American lifestyle and now kind of recreating a a Muslim American identity now you know so I have two fosters um, that are rescues a black cat named Luna Mm -hmm. and a little chihuahua wiener dog named Churro who looks like a churro (laughs) and yeah and that's a little bit about me 
Awesome, awesome. Okay, so today we have a lot of important stuff I want to get into. Um, one of the reasons I wanted my first episode to be with Yara is because we're both Arab Muslim women in medicine, but not just that, we also have very similar passions and social issue stances. So we're definitely going to be delving into all of that today. But to keep with the tradition Sai started on her podcast, we're going to talk about a few little segments that I thought would be a little fun and you guys can get to learn a little bit more about Yara. So the first thing, Yara, is what is the thing that's keeping you going right now? So, <laughs> oh, that's really deep. I know, <laughs> I know. I'm like, it's going to be fun. And then it's like, yeah. bam. Yeah. So as, a, as everyone, like, so everyone knows, like, I don't know what these questions were. These are the three exactly. questions she said she wasn't going to mm-hmm. tell me. So I'm thinking about it right now. Yeah, that's I've good. actually, so that question specifically, I've actually thought about personally a lot recently mm-hmm. since I've taken um, sort of like a break from school and taking medical leave to kind of like focus on my health and stuff. Mm-hmm. So I thought about, you know, what keeps me going. And for a long time, I kind of put it on external things like medicine, family, yeah. faith, all these other mm-hmm. things. And it was kind of like, um, it was an unhealthy coping mechanism. Um, now that I look at it and really want to, the thing that kind of keeps me going is the belief in myself now, the yeah. belief that like I have something to contribute to society mm-hmm. and that I believe that like every person was put on this earth yeah. for, for a purpose. And, you know, my experiences could be something that guides someone later on. So I for should, sure. you know, go through them with grace, but also understand that like, this is, this sucks, you know? But yeah, I wouldn't know how to answer that question if you asked me a couple months ago, to be completely honest with you. It's really just like belief in myself and mm-hmm. what you can offer to the world. Awesome. And I specifically chose this question because I've known Yada guys for, you know, three years now, maybe. Years, because, yeah. yeah. So I've gotten to see her pretty much evolve And um, you guys will get to know a little bit more about that later, ever since she became more aware of her mental health. And so I specifically wanted to ask her that because I feel like it would not be an external thing that's keeping her going. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad I'm glad that that was your answer. And I'm happy to hear that. So, all right. The next question is, which I think I know the answer to, but of course, I want people to know is what are you working on bettering right now? So if you met me ever, if you ever knew me, the first thing people always tell me is that you're very focused and you're very dedicated and you like work really hard. Like whenever Mm -hmm. they saw me in the library, I'd be very focused. Like I wouldn't even be able to tell if someone was around me. And that's because my mind was always thinking. I was always Mm -hmm. thinking about everything. And whenever I respond to people, people think I was a know-it-all just because, you know, they think I was just responding off the cuff. But it was actually because like, you know, I thought about this before and actually Mm -hmm. like having a response for it. Um, And so what I'm kind of thinking about, what I'm working on now is actually the complete opposite. I'm working on slowing down, Mm -hmm. on not thinking too much. You know, I can have thoughts, but instead of me now thinking about them, I write them down, put them in a notebook, being Mm -hmm. like, okay, check them off as I go. So they're not as overwhelming. And just like really taking... Yeah, I used to, used to always say like, this is like some hippie, like American culture type of thing where it's like, yeah. I'm going to go to college to like find myself and like chill and do all that. And that's not what we're taught in our culture. Like no. come here to grind, you come here because we immigrated, like all this mm-hmm. stuff. And, you know, I grinded until I was almost going to grind like myself. And yeah. I was like, I yeah. can't, you know? So taking that break and really just figuring out what makes me happy day to day, you know, not focusing on the pressing Mm -hmm. deadlines exam of every week and you know I understand 
that thrill used to keep me going in medical school because I loved it. I loved what I mm-hmm. learned most. I'm always still really passionate about everything that I ever learned. Yeah. But having that mental break, I never got that in school no. until now, you know? So yeah. that's kind of like what I'm working on now. Awesome. We definitely like relate on that and we don't get a break. I feel like from our families, not that they always mean us harm but I think when they immigrate here they're thinking of just fight or flight like we got to survive and so we kind of take the brunt force of that I feel like this is another thing I wanted to really talk about which you know is mental health so that kind of gets put on the back burner with immigrant families sadly so Mm -hmm. really I'm really hoping we can talk about that today and then the last question is a little actual fun one so what's one thing we all have to go buy right now per your recommendation (laughs) <laughs> right now we all need to go on amazon and order it <laughs> i don't buy from amazon just so everyone knows i try to yeah. avoid it as much as possible yeah, I really know, I, I try know. to you oh, know but God. or any website um, if i'm not gonna lie trader joe's has this like truffle brownie Ooh. mix that's fire just made it today oh, okay. and it was fire also i thought of a book and that's the alchemist i think everyone should get the alchemist okay yeah so I like it for the record guys she was eating a brownie when she joined this this uh, zoom session so i'm calling her out all right okay awesome awesome okay so i want to start by uh ripping off the band-aid this is the i mean there's so much i want to talk to yara about but this is the topic that i'm most passionate about talking to her about and i wanted her on this episode for multiple reasons but she's been very vocal lately on social media about mental health And she's been so brave and authentic in sharing her own story with being diagnosed with BPD. So I really wanted you to educate everyone listening about BPD because I feel like not a lot of people know about it and not a lot of people that do know about it take it as a real mental health condition. So BPD stands for Borderline Personality Disorder. And yeah, and let's just get a little educated about it. So yeah, so borderline personality disorder. There's a lot of misinformation or misdirection Mm -hmm. because there's personality disorders and there's psychotic disorders and then there's Mm -hmm. mood disorders and they're all different and they all have different durations and different comorbidities and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So for example, a psychotic disorder, they have different lengths, but the biggest thing is that you lose like a break in reality. You depersonalize, you realize something like that. You don't dissociate because association is like, I don't feel how I feel but it's not like I don't know who I am or who this person is okay that is a break from realization that's when you are psychotic that is psychotic break then you have a mood disorder where it's like bipolar it is like depression something like that you'll see the difference between a personality disorder and a mood disorder it's usually the two things that get confused is that a personality disorder is a rigid pattern of thoughts that are pervasive and then they actually they hurt the person without them even realizing Mm -hmm. hallmark of a personality disorder is egocentrism so you don't really know Mm -hmm. that you are the issue right but when you you just think it's your personality like that's how you are exactly exactly but a mood disorder, you don't have that. Usually you're very well aware, I'm depressed, I'm whatever, exactly. I'm whatever, right? But with a personality disorder, it's so hard to diagnose. You, for whatever reason, were developing in an adverse environment or a stressful mm-hmm. environment. So your fight or flight responses mm-hmm. were always turned on. At least for me in borderline, that is the, the ideology of why that occurs. But maybe for other personality disorders, because they're all different clusters, there's mm-hmm. A, B, and C, they could have different triggers. But 
the one that for borderline specifically, I know it's, you know, usually under a traumatic experience in childhood during those years where your personality is developing. So you kind of adapt to your environment. And mm -hmm. so there are nine key characteristics, like defined by DSM of borderline personality disorder, which I'll go through. Okay. And you have to have five of those nine. Really the things that get confused the most, borderline and bipolar. That's, that's what a lot of people were telling me as I was trying to like yeah. talk about this. Yeah. So bipolar is a mood disorder. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mood disorders, they're, they're triggered by different things or their, their causes are different than personality disorders, first of all. And then the duration of a bipolar swing, which is mania and depression is over a couple of months or weeks. Right. So that's mm -hmm. why some people maybe have a depression episode during exactly. you know, the winter and then a really manic episode during the spring. Right. Mm -hmm. But someone with borderline has those swings within an hour. Mm -hmm. So I can go from reading someone's body language as them being upset at mm. me to me feeling upset to then me being angry that they're upset to me mm. being, being feeling shameful that they that I got mad that they're upset mm -hmm. even though I know that like none of this was rational yeah. but I can't control because my fight or flight my amygdala is just going off and in addition to personality disorder especially with borderline they've noticed like it's very clear neural pathways that get built differently during childhood so you actually have mri images that look different and you can see that wow. with everything with ptsd with depression with whatever mm -hmm. but with bpd they've they've recently found that has a very clear you've been atrophying of the amygdala so it's higher to react and wow. so to calm down your anger is is usually the strongest emotion wow. with borderline so borderline also is called borderline because it borders so many other things. So it's not just that I have mania and depression, but I also have OCD, which I didn't know. So I would find out as I started therapy that, oh, like these things that would, for example, for me, like I really don't like a dirty kitchen or a dirty floor. So for me, I couldn't sit down in the morning unless it was clean, even though I have blood sugar problems. So I would like have brain fog and almost pass out. But to me, like it would bother me. So like, I didn't know that was a compulsion. OCD is another thing. You have anxiety. For me, I had a lot of stomach issues because I already mm -hmm. have IBS, but it got worse when when I was closer, basically having a, a mental a mental break. My stomach was like basically on fire. And I found out that like I have a lot of anxiety in certain parts of, parts of my body because those things, the mind-gut connection is definitely 100%. a very, very real thing. Yeah, so, so that's kind of mood psychotic personality and then specifically bipolar and borderline. And then borderline, in medical education, we get a little paragraph in exactly. first aid. And I read that's that it. and I was like, that's not me. And then I mm -hmm. would read, you know, the depression, I would check it off. So I would literally call myself like, I'd be like, oh, I have spicy depression. And medical students mm -hmm. have great diagnostic skills on yeah. themselves, you know what I mean? So like, yeah. I was like, yeah, it's not a big deal. So I really downplayed it for a while. And things wow. borderline also manifests differently in different people because maybe some people, they were not able to take out their anger. So their anger was more towards themselves. So they became more depressed. So it's all different, but usually you have these nine traits. So I'll read, I'll read them out to you. Okay. Uh, the nine traits as like by DSM are an irrational fear of abandonment. So I'll read like a little excerpts um, okay. after like every single thing. And um, I'm going to shout this, this Instagram out. It's called BPD Creativity. It's a guy who actually has BPD and he just, he actually just started it recently. And he educates a lot and has like a lot of really good like education tools and also communication tools for people who have BPD or have families who have it. So I always like tag my friends in it. And so okay. first thing is fear of abandonment. So people with BPD are often terrified of being abandoned or left alone, even something as innocuous as a loved one arriving home late from work or going out to hang out with friends may trigger intense fear. This can 
prompts frantic efforts to keep the person close. You may beg, cling, start fights, track your loved one's movements, or even physically block the person from leaving. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. this behavior tends to have the opposite effect. So for me, I always tend to, to fight. Mm-hmm. For me, and I noticed that when I was talking to my therapist, I'd be like, yeah, I just fight. Like, they're going to like prove it to me. And to her, I'd be like, no, like that's not a normal, you know, quote unquote, Mm. normal or healthy way of thinking about things. So stuff like that, where to me, I was like, yeah, it's normal. Everyone is paranoid of people. She's like, no, people are not baseline paranoid people. And I'm like, you know, so stuff like that. Another thing, unstable relationships. People with BPD tend to have relationships that are intense and short lived. You may fall in love quickly, believing that each new person is a person who will make you feel whole, only to be quickly disappointed. Your relationships either seem perfect or horrible without any middle ground. Your family, lovers, friends may feel like they have emotional whiplash. Um, as a result of your rapid mood swings from idealization to devaluation, anger, and hate. For the sake of being as open as I, as I am, like, you know, I've been in romantic relationships and I, mm-hmm. I noticed, and my therapist noticed that the majority of my symptoms would come out towards those things. And yeah. so, you know, we all learn love from our parents and obviously that's going to translate in how you interact with the world. So for me, you know, I was always really good with my friends because my friends didn't trigger me in that mm-hmm. way, but it was always the, the male, the love, the love connection, whatever. Yeah. The interest. And, you know, yeah. it's, yeah and that's that's usually what triggers you more than like your friends you know oh, wow is that all across the board or like are you saying specifically for yourself so this is a hallmark this is one of the nine things you okay, don't okay. have to have it right you sometimes exactly. five of the nine exactly but for okay. me i basically had all of them so that's okay. why for me my therapist was like i'm very sure this is this is okay you, you know okay got it unclear or shifting self-image um, so your sense of self is typically unstable. You may feel good about yourselves and then hate yourself, or you may view yourself as evil. Um, you might not have a clear idea of who you are, or what you want in life. So you may frequently change jobs, friends, lovers, religions, views, goals, or even sexual identity. Okay. Um, so for me, I didn't go as far as that, but for me, like I always had a shifting self-image. Sometimes, you know, people would tell me, you're so great, you're doing this, you're doing this. And I'm like, that's great. But like, internally, I might not feel as great as what people tell me. People would always compliment me. I would never be able to take that. And, you know, I had self-image issues growing up, being, Mm. you know, overweight and having other health problems, you know? Definitely could have contributed to that, you know, shifting self-image as well. But even now with having like my, my health is good and everything like that, I still have those internal struggles of, am I really a good person? Am I, you know, mm. am I really doing this for the right intentions? And that's yeah. something that normal people don't really have to struggle with on a daily basis, which I didn't mm. really think. Yeah. And when I say normal, I don't like to say, you know, there's a, in medicine, we never like to say mm-hmm. normal, right? Mm-hmm. Say typical or yeah. medically correct or whatever, yeah. you know? But there is definitely a standard mental health. Exactly. I know. That are normal. Yeah. So the next thing is impulsive and self-destructive behavior. Usually that means impulsive spending, binge eating, reckless driving, shoplifting, engaging in risky sex, overdoing with drugs and alcohol. Um, Usually these people, people with BPD, 7 out of 10 people with BPD are suicidal. 7 in 10 attempt suicide and 1 actually like finishes it they have a higher suicide rate than the general public especially now we're seeing that there's an increasing suicide rate among young people and they're actually seeing an also increased amount of bpd and they're thinking that those two are actually linked together Um, they don't know if one causes other they don't know what happens exactly but they know that about 50 percent of people or 80 i don't remember 50 or 80 i have to look at the numbers but 
basically more half if not more of people who commit suicide usually have some sort of underlying BPD as well. So it's actually a pretty common personality disorder. It's just not really looked at because the issue is, like I said, the main emotion is anger. So it, it, you know, scares people. People don't want to get close to that. Also personality Mm -hmm. disorders, they're usually not medically treated very well because a personality disorder, again, is an enduring rigid pattern of thoughts. So having cognitive behavioral therapy doesn't work. You actually have to use something called dialectical behavioral therapy, Mm -hmm. which focuses on the emotions. You have to do EMDR, which is sort of like a hypnosis to calm down the brain so they could talk about your emotions. Because your fight or flight baseline goes off. It's not your thinking, it's your body. You know what I mean? Mm. So it's like you have to really train your mind to control your body. You can't just talk to it. So that's why a lot of the therapies of you know, BPD include physically, like putting yourself in a shower, physically going, touching mm. an animal, physically going and doing something, moving your body so that you're taking ownership of it rather than thinking about it. Affirmations okay. don't always work for everyone. Okay. So another, sorry, number five, we're almost done guys. No, um, this is, this is very important. And you said it yourself. A lot of people just don't know enough about it. And with these personality mm-hmm. disorders, people think it's just how they are. They don't realize that they have a, yeah. you know, something that they can get help for. So this, this mm-hmm. part is really, really important for people to learn about. So number five out of nine is self-harm. Like I said, suicidal behavior and deliberate self-harm. And so the common forms are usually cutting and burning. Um, like, you know, I struggled with self-harm growing up and, you know, I struggled with not being confident in my own body for whatever reason. So, you know, having, that being part of DSM as part of the diagnosis is like kind of liberating, you know, at the same wow. time. Cause it's like, wow, you know, these things that I put so much shape towards, there's enough data to literally say like, this is actually like how these people respond to these stressors in their life. So instead of putting shame on the person for having this, it's kind of generalizing it in a way where it's like, like, you know, people don't feel bad if they're not the only one having diabetes. You feel me? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, when you kind of are like, oh, yeah, other people feel this. Okay, like, I'm not as crazy. Like, no, that's great. It's, like, <laughs> it is it's, it is liberating, honestly. I mean, no one wants to be alone. And also, when you know someone else is going through it, that just means that there's more information out there for you to learn about it yourself and see how you can help your own self. Yeah. So I understand you there. <laughs> Number six, extreme emotional swings. So unstable emotions and mood swings are common. Um, you may feel happy and then despondent little things other people may brush off could take you into an emotional tailspin. They're intense. They tend to pay, pass fairly quickly and usually lasting only a few minutes and hours. So I noticed that with myself. I get very angry, but then I literally calm down like right away. Like, so it's wow. like, you know, I would sometimes people would not sometimes know how to respond to me. They think I was manipulative or like faking it or just like crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm just like chilling. Like literally give me some space and I'll be okay. You know, in two minutes. Yeah. Number seven is chronic feelings of emptiness. So people with BPD often talk about feeling empty as if there's a hole or void inside of them. At extreme, they may feel like as if you're nothing or a nobody. This feeling is uncomfortable. You might try to fill this void with things like food, drugs, and sex. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that obviously comes with like, since borderline is not just mania, it's also depression. It's also anxiety. It's also, mm-hmm. it's also OCD and paranoia. So it's obviously you're going to have a mix of those. This is definitely like where the depression kind of comes in. And yeah, so like, I definitely like growing up since I didn't really know, like, I just thought it was spicy depression, as I would call it. Um, and so mm-hmm. like, I had an eating disorder growing up and you know, I really became overweight because of it. And my relationship mm-hmm. with food was not amazing. I mean, on top of that, I had undiagnosed medical issues that contributed to my my weight gain. But I definitely knew that points I was definitely emotionally eating as well, you know. So number eight, 
So number eight is explosive anger, which is what I mentioned. If you mm-hmm. have BPD, you may struggle with intense anger and a short temper. You may also have trouble controlling yourself once your fuse is lit, yelling, throwing things, or becoming completely consumed by rage. It's mm-hmm. important to know this anger isn't always directed outwards. You may spend a lot of time angry at yourself. And number nine, feeling out of touch with reality. People mm-hmm. with BPD often struggle with paranoia or suspicious thoughts of others' motives. While under stress, you may even lose touch with reality, an experience known as dissociation. You may feel foggy, spaced out, or as if you're outside your own body. Mm-hmm. So for me, like, I, I have chunks of memory that I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Even as an adult, like, spring breaks and winter breaks when, you know, that was when I was, like, leaving a stressful environment just wanted to go somewhere and travel where I don't really remember the entire traveling you know when I found out association I was like wow like okay like that makes sense so yeah so those are the nine um characteristics um mm-hmm. talked about by DSM and so you'd have to have five of the nine and then in terms of duration I don't really know exactly mm-hmm. but obviously it's enduring so it's be something that you're seeing a pattern of so yeah if anyone, you know, that's listening to this knows someone or, or they want to be evaluated to see if they possibly have BPD, talking about it earlier, the types of therapy, but what are some resources that you know of or anything recommendations you can give people to seek out help? So for me, I know like I had a hard time starting therapy just because mm-hmm. in our community, it's not something that's really pushed. And also for me, I wanted to find someone who was like Muslim and could like mm-hmm. really understand like who I was. Um, and wouldn't like would understand that just the cultural nuances of issues and not mm-hmm. just be like attributing them to different diagnoses basically mm-hmm. and so I found like a telehealth professional named Natasha who was Muslim and so I really liked her but honestly it really took time for me to find a therapist because the biggest thing is like oh I want to get a therapist that mm-hmm. once you get over that it's actually very easy to find a therapist you just google okay. you just look up you just ask someone like that's literally what I did it didn't take me long and wow. then she was my telehealth. And then eventually I wanted to do more intense training, intense therapy in, in person and actually doing family therapy with, with my parents and stuff oh, like wow. that. Yeah, my family actually like started going to therapy as well. Oh, that's so amazing. something like, yeah, it's something that Arab families don't do. So they basically don't. like having to really push them and being like, I'm not gonna, I literally had to put, put a stance to my parents be like, I'm not gonna be part of this family if like you guys don't get help because you're hurting wow. me. And I really didn't, I didn't talk to my family for a couple of months actually. Um, and so like, I basically saw that they were going consistently to therapy and that they were changing the way that they communicated with me. Yeah, so that's why I got a therapist in person because I was like, okay, I need to find someone who's neutral for us to work together now, you know? Cause yeah. I need to do my own work. Um, but the biggest thing is just literally having, literally picking up your phone and Googling. That is always the hardest because you're always like, oh, I'll do it later. I'll do it later. Yeah. And you never do it. Um, but once you do that, you just literally reach out to them. You tell them like, what do you want? If you have insurance to do whatever. For me, it's, I'm uninsured. So it is more expensive. But okay. I know that telehealth is way less expensive than okay. going in person as well. If that's something that you would like. Um, and you don't need to have BPD or whatever to have a therapist. I have friends exactly. who don't have any sort of diagnoses and they go to therapists just so they can get a different perspective or mm-hmm. make sure that they're like not thinking about things in unhealthy ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. That was really important for me to touch on today. And I'm really glad that we were able to delve into that. So thank you girl for talking about that. Um, okay. All right. So another reason I wanted to do this interview with Yara is because she's also an Arab Muslim female in medicine. I don't want to take too long talking about this, but I did want your specific thoughts. And if you think you had any kind of specific struggles or what it was like for you in general, 
So there's, I kind of get struggles with, with being an Arab female in medicine from two communities. Get it from the Muslim community. Also get it from like the general non-Muslim, mm-hmm. like white doctor community to be completely honest with you. And mm-hmm. so like, you know, I've heard and my friends have told me over and over, like, can't wait till you rotate with this doctor because look at what mm-hmm. he said to me. And I was like, oh, can't wait because they know that I'm be the one who says something to them. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate, but like the professional side will get, can you even like, do you want to be here for this mm-hmm. rectal exam? Like, yeah, like I'm literally a medical student. Like, yeah. just because I'm a woman and wearing a scarf doesn't mean anything. Actually, like medically, we get exempt for this. Like, yeah, exactly. if you knew anything about our religion, you would know that, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, or they would think I'm younger than I am. I'm also young looking. So people just assume that I'm a nurse or they just think I'm mm-hmm. qualified or just don't listen to me or when I have an opinion or a different uh, point of view, because I, I used to be covered and then mm-hmm. I recently took off my scarf. So I was able to see both sides. Yeah. And so when I was covered, people took me a little bit more professionally, but I could see more of the racism for sure. Wow. Wow. And when I took it off, I got basically more sexually harassed, but less racism. When I say sexually harassed, I mean, because to me in medicine, your gender being thrown into your face all the time is basically yes. sexual harassment. Like yeah. you're literally like, what are you trying to imply? Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it, to me, it was just like, it's just like not because I'm, I'm 22. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of skipped ahead. And so people think that because I'm young, I don't have experience or anything like that, or I'm not mature, but I'm like, you wouldn't have even guessed my, my age otherwise, exactly. you know, and like people tend to forget, you know, I was raised, I was born in the Middle East, but I was raised in the Midwest. So there was a huge cultural shock and I had to deal with a lot of implicit and explicit racism, which is why I have a very, very, very high guard for it. And why I know when someone mm. means what they, what they mean. And I've gotten many situations like that where they say things that are inherently racist and sexist, but like, I can't really prove it because you can't prove intent. Like Exactly. That. Yeah. I've gone through that too. And um, in terms of like the Muslim community, you know, I get the whole, every time I go anywhere, when are you get married? When are you get married? Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm cool. Mm-hmm. Like, when Don't your get son me started. is up to my standards, that's when I get married, sweetie. Like, literally, when your son like finishes bachelor's in marketing, then we'll have a talk, sweetie. I'm like... Low key though. High key though. Like, so it's just like something like that where it's like, oh my God, you idealize the Muslim mm-hmm. professional women. You know, you idealize that in the Muslim community. She is doing God's work on earth mm-hmm. and she is amazing and smart and she will be a great mother. At, so that's that's yeah. that's the period though. Is that because you did all of that, you're going to be a great mother. You're going to be a great no. wife, a great mother, yeah. Yeah, like, no, that's not what I'm striving for. I want to do this. I want to be a Congress. I want to be a president. I want to be this. I want to be mm-hmm. this. Like, there's so many things I want to do. Mother and child, you know, child bearer is not the one I'm going for. It's not number one mm-hmm. or 10. You know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like something like that. My family, like, fortunately, I broke them early on and told them not to ever come to me with that. Wow. And they don't. But my dad will sometimes slightly at me like, are you talking to someone? Because my parents yeah. know. You know? <laughs> my parents know I talk to people to like assess them for marriage, you know. Mm-hmm. But For marriage purposes. Terms, <laughs> for marriage purposes. <laughs> but like, you know, I'm, they're not out here picking for me. They're not yeah. out here listening or saying yes or no to anyone. You know, I don't get that from my parents, right? I get that more from the outside community, which is mm. why my parents are very far removed from the community. When I was in it, I would get a lot of, oh, meet my son. Oh, meet my son every time Mm -hmm. I went somewhere. And, oh, you're in medical school. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. They don't talk to me about like what I'm doing, how I feel like who Mm -hmm. the person, what person I am. It's like my accomplishments, how I add to their family. Who are you? What are you about? What do you, can you add to me? I have, I have a high like standard. Okay, cool. Of course. Obviously, you know what I have to bring. What do you have to bring? Mm -hmm. Nothing, you know, just like he's there. 
like okay he exists, like, <laughs> he exists so therefore you must have but I'm like no it's not yeah. that way anymore you no, know it's not I mean I definitely relate with the whole there's definitely both sides there's the the side of the medical field there's still that bias um even with when patients not necessarily just preceptors or doctors but like patients yeah. will still forget you're you're possibly the doctor and then the Muslim community which I find kind of weighs a little heavier for me because I can't You're Palestinian. Th- yeah. You're Palestinian. I have to, I have to, yeah. We have to make that distinction right here. So yeah. like, Palestinians and Egyptians are different. Yeah. Yeah. Different Arabs are different. They all have a different like community mm-hmm. system. So like Egyptians are known for just being very chill when it comes to that type of stuff. Yeah. And Palestinians are just known for being very like tribal and like tight knit yeah. and very like together because like yeah. that's just the type of community that they are you know yes. what I mean mm-hmm. that's why sometimes like it'll just be more intense for you guys yeah. than us you know exactly. so that's all I'll say like my Palestinian friends I'm like yeah Palestinian we, we have to do an episode on this too like all the different Arabs and oh my gosh that'd be such a nice episode but yeah I am I'm, I'm Jordanian and Palestinian so that is mm-hmm. marriage is very 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 highly regarded in our in our culture and it's pretty much mm-hmm. all that they look forward to so for me it's like every you know every event every community function it's like clockwork oh how school great uh pat on the back congrats good job when are you getting married <laughs> you know <laughs> when are you getting married you're 28 <laughs> you're you know yeah it's just like your your biological clock is ticking woman at 30 you know it's like girl I'm good till 40 I don't know what you're talking about but Anyway. I'm like, also, like, the earth is dying, y'all. Yeah. Like, let, <laughs> let's adopt some kids. Let's adopt oh some my kids. Gosh. Like, so that's another thing is adoption. Can we, like, normalize that in Arab Muslim communities, please? Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's already normalized in Muslim community. Like, if, we can do a whole episode on this, but, like, oh, yeah. literally, this, is, this is one of my this is one of my questions when I'm scoping out a man for marriage. Like, I literally yes. ask him, like, how open do you are you to adopt? That? You better be open yeah. to adoption. And, yeah, exactly. Because, yeah. like, because then I hear why you don't, and then you just sound like selfish person i love so how I'm you say like... scoping out for marriage because that's literally how it is it's it's like a checklist yeah. of questions all right bro listen what do we do are you are you republican or democrat right now literally <laughs> literally what show me your party affiliation right now what's your voter card yeah, and your height on your driver's license yeah. ASAP. <laughs> no they'd be lying on the driver's license girl you can't trust that yeah. i i mean yeah. i'm telling you yeah my dad's she's said, like i try yeah <laughs> No, no, bro. My dad's five five, and his driver's license says five seven. I'm like, fam, you're not the same. He wore Tim's and went to the DMV, bro. (laughs) Check your height. They just be like, mine did. Really? Oh, mine did. They had a little. The the Florida one had a little thing. That's how I know how tall. Because I I was always like, my five nine or five ten. I can never tell. How how tall are you? I'm five ten. That's why you know the the male the male species is the pool the gene pool is small girl girl you just made it harder girl who said I'm going for Arabs girl oh true yeah let's yeah let's move on we're doing white converts now (laughs) (laughs) Sai's gonna kill us right now (laughs) I'm dead I'm keeping that in. the new sc- we're scoping these guys out now think it's their turn <laughs> I'm dead, I'm dead. Oh okay i love it i love it okay good good yeah so that's definitely um yeah been the struggle so it's not just in the you know medical community itself but also in our own communities you know just mm-hmm. dealing with we're accomplishing such huge amazing things you know sacrificing our physical mental health to do this career and only to be like all right that's great but how yeah about getting married so anyways yeah thanks for talking about that 
And that was a good laugh. <laughs> so, okay, I wanted to finish off by talking about a topic that I think is absolutely important. And I especially wanted to talk about it with Yara because she's very, very politically active. And not only is she so active, but she's also very, very well-informed and knowledgeable about this topic. So we are both raging leftists. <laughs> Literally. You can call me essentially a socialist. That is yeah, okay. Yeah, I, we're both raging leftist socialists, okay? It is what it is. We love to vocalize this on social media. Um, but I do think it's important and valuable if you could share like a few highlights to just educate people about the upcoming election and things they should know about when they are deciding whether they should vote red or blue. So I think I can just be straight with you guys. No one like really likes the options that we have. Like we can just yeah. like baseline, just all agree. Settle for Biden. <laughs> I have I kind of like a two-pronged approach to that. So like one thing is like, we're not just voting for a president. We're also voting for a Supreme Court. We're also mm -hmm. voting for amendments. We're also working mm -hmm. for Congress. We have a blue house. If we have a blue president, we would be able to pass something. If we have a blue Senate, like there's so many things. It's not just the presidency. It starts a wave 100%. of different things. We were able to unsee a lot of Republicans with House um, representatives and able to continue to do that. And so the best way is the way that our system works, it's like, again, a three separate systems, like the House, Senate, and then the executive branch. And then we also have the judicial branch, but usually the judicial branch doesn't change. Mm. But now we're in a unique position where literally all three yes. are up to be changed. So it's like, we already have one lockdown blue, right? We just need to keep doing that work. And then there's the other three that are open. I took health policy. And so what, what we call it, it's like, a, it's basically like a window of opportunity where it's like problem, policy, and politics. So problem would be like a pandemic, natural disaster, economic crash, all of those things at once, like us. Mm -hmm. um, policies, like new technology is able to solve old problems. So we know the Green New Deal, healthcare has always, you know, Medicare for All has always been around. We just decided to put, call it communism. And then the politics, which is a change in environment, creation and breakup of supranational governments. All those streams intersect. It makes a policy window, just issue on agenda. Knowledge becomes important and then action is done. But it all depends, again, on the people. If the people don't push for it, then... Mm -hmm. You know what? We can just all blame it on the Satanists that rule the world. You know, that's what people love to say. They're like, oh, yeah. it doesn't matter what I do because, like, it's ruled by the, you know, by someone else. We want to have healthcare for everyone. We want to re-enter the Paris Agreement and actually raise it to mm -hmm. 2.5 degrees Celsius of just two because two is not going to work. So now we can't throw in the towel and be like, well, the system's corrupt. Everything we can't be too woke now to participate mm. because that's where I think is where we're getting to. Where everyone's like, I know how messed up the system is, so it's not designed for me to participate that's it I'm like no it is designed to for you to participate in it but the systems who take advantage of it redesigned it so that you would get tired of trying to fight it and thing is that's like there are already people the black brown communities of america have already been fighting for so long you know what i mean and they need allyship as well so for you as an able-bodied person who's able to vote being like no because this system is trash okay well maybe it wasn't trash for you and you just found out it was trash but it's been trash yes. for hundreds of years for other people you know what I mean so it's like yeah. you obviously the people have... benefiting from the system have no qualms with letting it run the way it is exactly and if you have an ounce of like morale and you're like oh the system sucks 
but I'm not going to participate. Like, what yeah. did you do? You got to the halfway point, but you didn't want to extend. You didn't want to like, mm-hmm. it's like basically, you know, I sometimes start with my, my friends about this. Like, let's see a homeless person. They're like, oh, they're homeless, but like, maybe they're going to use it for drugs. So I'm not going to give them money. I'm like, yeah. so you were, you arrived to the point where they might need help, but you were like, but I'm not going to help them because of this. Just in case. Yeah. Like, just in case, you know, I'm going to get played. I'm like, what well, was your intention that you're trying to help? Or was yeah. your intention I'm going to get played. So for me, I try to say like, we're in literally a window of opportunity, politically speaking, where you have everything for grabs. You have people angry enough. You have the actual laws there mm-hmm. and push for it now. And I'm not saying if we vote for Biden, everything's going to be changing. The point, that's the zero step, not mm-hmm. voting for the guy who literally wants to turn this into a dictatorship. Yeah. And maybe voting for the dude who doesn't know how to speak on public television, but yeah. maybe, <laughs> you know, like we, he knows that we don't like him. That's where yeah. I try to tell people. He knows that the left is reluctantly voting for him. And yeah. he knows he needs the left because he already mm-hmm. has the moderate Democrats. Mm-hmm. So he literally needs a progressive left because he knows like that's what's going to push him right over Trump. Mm-hmm. Because if the progressive left doesn't vote or decides to split oh, yeah. the vote, it, we're going to get Trump again because the right is going to yeah. vote Trump. All oh, the they're way. all voting Trump. So this is this specific thing that Yada just mentioned is very important because here's the thing. I'm not a fan of Biden. I wanted Sanders. I was a hardcore Sanders obsessed. Yeah. You know, I voted for him in the primaries, but you know, sadly we have Biden anyway, moving on. Um, There's this amazing website. uh, It's called educationvotes.nea.org. And it's what I use when I think about voting and, and just learning about where specific candidates stand on policy. A lot of people, when they vote, sadly, they're voting on, it's like a reality show. Who do I like more? Trump is a clown. He doesn't know how to talk. I hate Trump. He's a racist. So I'm not voting for him. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, I get it. But a lot of the the right is kind of laughing at us because we don't really know why we're voting for Biden. And they think that we are just voting for Biden because we don't like Trump. Anyways, this website is, like I said, it's called educationvotes.nea.org. And it's, it's a really good website because it'll tell you how each candidate stands on every specific issue. So what, how they stand for education funding for the COVID-19 response, workers' rights, uh, health care, social security, taxes. I mean, there's a, so many categories you could click on and just read about the policy that they each support. So that way, when you do vote, you make an educated decision and you're voting on something you truly believe in, not just a reality show. And, you know, I'm voting for Biden because Trump's a clown or I'm voting for Trump because he's going to make America great again. Well, half of these people that are voting for Trump also like, do they really even know why they're voting for Trump? Do they believe in the policy of the right? So that is something I encourage people to look up and do some reading when they decide to vote this election. So if you, you know, you as a single person is like, I'm not going to vote. I'm not going to do anything because my vote doesn't matter. Then it's like, yeah, like it'll be easy for them to overtake your vote. You know what I mean? But if there's a hundred people, 200 people voting for this guy, they're not going to be able to like get rid of, you know, Mm -hmm. all those votes. You know what I mean? That's why. And and you're pretty much referring to vote tampering. Yeah, because if I'm going to be honest, our last election definitely was there was a lot of voter suppression, especially mm-hmm. black and brown communities mm-hmm. that were historically democratic, who were 
heavily canvassed who knew they wanted to vote, who were literally out there on lines and lines and lines. Mm -hmm. And they literally found their, like, in Georgia and in North Miami, they found, like, warehouses full of empty ballot things that the governor, which were, you know, Republican-held places, they were like, oh, we don't have any more ballot boxes. And they literally had, like, whole warehouses. They had a whole bunch of mail-in ballots that were changed from Democratic to Republican. Mm -hmm. A bunch of things that, like, happen one-sidedly. They don't happen Mm -hmm. from the Democratic side. And they're always brushed over because they just think we're jealous. But it's like, no, there's very heavy voter suppression and there it's because is. for the first time they saw people wanted a change and that's why trump didn't even win the election because he didn't hillary won the popular vote it was trump who won the electoral vote which essentially exactly. means he just bought out lobbies he just yeah. bought out congress people so it's not that the people wanted trump because there was a lot of people who didn't vote a lot of people who mm-hmm. voted green a lot of people and i understand your conscience and i get that mm-hmm. but if you're ever going to put your moral conscience over people's actual lives then i don't know what moral conscience you mm-hmm. have because for me it's like i'm gonna play the game smart to save the most lives i'm not gonna mm-hmm. go with gung-ho because trust me i know i was gonna tell, i told everyone like i'm not gonna vote if bernie is not gonna be president but then yeah. i'm like no like mm-hmm. trump is taking colored women's like uteruses out right now yeah. like, in in the oh concentration God. camps on the yeah. border like i'm not gonna sit here and be like that's another moral- thing yeah no 100 and that's another thing about this election that i think makes it very 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 unique is that a lot of the issues going on right now are the social immigration issues Black Lives Matter movement, women's rights, which have been an issue for a while, abortion rights. So mm-hmm. again, I, I encourage people when they make the decision on who to vote for that you know exactly what your vote is gonna feed. And if you believe in women having all the access to healthcare that they need, if you believe in immigrants built this country and that they mm-hmm. should have rights, even if they immigrated here illegally, they should be treated like humans, at least and not put in cages. You know, if you believe public education should be funded, you know, by the government and, you know, because Trump wants to redirect, I think it was like five billion dollars to private education. So why do you need five billion dollars to private education? They they can afford it. Yeah, they can afford it. Exactly. So it's it, it depends. And, you know, these are all things that you have to think about when you're voting. And this is why you vote, because you're not just voting for, like I said, a, a person. Uh, oh, he's I want him to win this competition or this reality show. No, like what what candidate do you want and why do you want them? And it needs to be for the policy that they're going to encourage. So that's very important that you guys make sure you're well informed about. So, yes. yeah. All right, guys, I want to thank you so much, Yara, for spending time with us today and speaking so openly about all of these topics. Before, you know, we wrap this up, is there anything you'd like to leave us with? Any final thoughts that you wanted to get off your chest? Not really, but if you guys want to follow my Instagram. I was about to say, shout yourself out, please. <laughs> it's um, it's Egyptian Wiz. And then I also have like a mental health Instagram called Covered and Controversial. So it's covered and then just the letter N and then controversial, no underscores, nothing, it's all together. Mm-hmm. And then Egyptian Wiz. Yeah, Egyptian Wiz. Just Egyptian and W-I-Z. Yep. All right. So you guys have to follow Yara. She posts a lot of really, really good content, especially on um, Covered and Controversial. She talks a lot about her mental health journey on there as well. So thank you, Yara. I had a really good time. And I'm glad, that, I'm glad that everyone got to meet you and chat with you today. So, all right. Have a good night.
All right, guys, that is going to conclude today's episode. I am so excited you guys got to meet Yada and learn so much about her and all of the amazing content that she was able to bring to us today. Again, you guys can find her on Instagram at Covered and Controversial. That's Covered, the letter N, and then Controversial. No underscores or spaces or anything. And at her personal Instagram at Egyptian Wiz, and that's W-I-Z. I'm so excited, you guys, to be bringing you a new episode every month on this podcast. I really want to thank Sai for giving me a platform to bring this important information and content to you guys. If you guys have any specific requests for topics to discuss or people to interview, please just shoot me a DM at my personal Instagram, at medicalglam, or our podcast Instagram, at browngirlwhitecoatpod. Please feel free to share this on every platform possible. And with that, I thank you for making this podcast a part of your day wherever you are.